0: This is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. Today, we are going to dig into the expanding controversy about the NRA, the National Rifle Association. This is obviously the NRA has been a, is no uh, newcomer to controversy, but just in the last, I guess, Josh, how how far back is it like a month, six weeks when the first lawsuit that kind of kicked off this part of the story? There was a lawsuit filed around yeah, exactly, six weeks ago. Um, that
1: really did kick off the really public kind of implosion that we've seen over the past month. Right, but right. there have been kind of rumblings going on for the past year. At right, that say, right. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that that's a uh, uh, TPM reporter, Josh Kavinsky, and he he's been on this story for us. We're gonna dig into what's going on and what sort of danger the uh, the NRA faces. So so I guess we're just gonna go right into yeah. First, a little business. To yeah, take care a little of. business. To take care of uh, the climate is warming up. the political climate is boiling over. Yep, it's sure getting hot out there, but Grady's Cold Brew can help you cool things down this summer. Order online and get their famous New Orleans-style iced coffee delivered straight to your door. Just add water to their all-in-one kit and get 36 servings of cold brew for less than a buck a cup. Grady's will end up saving you a ton of money, but also a ton of time. No need to wait in a coffee shop line because Grady's dispenses directly from your fridge. Already cold and completely customizable for your perfect cup. Grady's Cold Brew is independently owned and operated in New York City since 2011. Ready to give it a swirl, get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. And don't forget, you should also uh, keep in mind uh, memberships with TPM uh, TPM is, uh, is 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 the company that that publishes this podcast and uh, what makes this podcast possible and we are membership driven so remember to if you're if you're not a subscriber to uh, TPM Prime or TPM ad free or inside or whatever, uh, sign up. It's really you get a lot of great stuff and it supports our independent journalism. Now, the, the, the key is that uh, for for our podcast listeners, you get the special deal, 20 percent off at Prime membership, which is like unheard of. And it's a, it's a good deal. It is a good deal. And so, if you if you've been thinking about it and want to give it a try, go to talkingpointsmemo slash deal. That's talkingpointsmemo slash deal, and get twenty percent off a uh, TPM Prime membership, which is totally awesome. That's great. And then the other thing now now this is kind of, you know, I don't want to get into too much like church state here, but we <laughs> actually have in June we have Grady from Grady's coming on. The podcast. Now that's gonna seem like some sort of like sponsored content. <laughs> that's right. I cannot wait. No, but but you know, I, I, I've actually been um I have been a big Grady's aficionado uh since long before Grady's was a sponsor and we wanna kinda of, we wanna talk about uh, the, we drink the, enough of his coffee, you know. Nice thing. So yeah. Uh, so that, that'll be that'll be uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so we're, we're we're here with my co-host David Tainter yeah. and uh, Josh Kovensky and we're going to get into this NRA thing. Yeah, which exactly. Is,
2: which is, I mean, for a long time, it, I mean, it sort of still feels this way, right? That the NRA is so powerful, it has so much money that it's basically impossible to take down, or you know, its influence is so great. But over the last several weeks, like you said, it feels like there are some cracks starting to emerge. I mean, Josh Kavinsky, tell us kind of what you've
1: been reporting on, how you found your way into this story. Sure. Well, I found my way into the story after they first filed this lawsuit against their longtime advertising vendor. It's a Oklahoma City-based company called Ackerman McQueen. Um, that happened in early April. And the lawsuit really kind of detailed these fairly stunning allegations, which is just that they're really saying in the lawsuit, you've basically been robbing us and we need to like verify, figure out what's going on going on. And the lawsuit gives this like very compelling narrative of like how the relationship broke down. Um, and one interesting point David that I would kind of add to what you were saying earlier is that the NRA has this interesting dynamic where the more successful they are in pushing for candidates that um, kind of advocate their policies and are less likely to implement gun control legislation, the harder time they have because there's less fear among gun owners that somebody's going to come and take away their guns. Right. And the gun and the gun manufacturers have lower sales. Isn't it true, like it, under the Trump presidency, gun sales have kind of gone down a bit, right? Yeah. So I think uh, I think it was, it's Remington that had to file for bankruptcy. So either them or Smith and Wesson. Uh, we can double check on that.
0: Unlike the Obama years, whenever. Everyone, you know. Right. Well, there was the. It's. Right. I wonder if it's actually what it is compared to the Bush years, because there was a. I mean, this was one of the ongoing things about the Obama era that every year gun sales just went up and up and up. I mean, he was great for business for right. the NRA for yeah. the gun industry. Yeah. yeah. But if you look at their
1: financial filings, uh, their nonprofit filings, then that Form nine ninety the NRA, I think they lost something like fifty five million in uh, revenue um, in two thousand seventeen. From the previous year, so it's the first year of for the first year of Trump's presidency,
0: right? Yeah. Okay, so that so th- that makes sense. That sort of like you know they are in a, in a way a victim of their own success, right. um, and they have whatever role they have played in creating the sort of the total Republican control controlled federal government that you had in 17 and 18, you know, no one, even, even, even the diehards aren't going to kind of go for, oh, my, our guns are, Trump's about to take away our guns. Okay. Right. So here's what I want to get into. So, so there, the NRA had sort of a kind of a side role in the whole Russia story thing that they they had they had developed these ties with various Russians and there were suspicions of of Russians laundering money through the NRA. That from everything we can tell, that does not that was not the case, at least based I mean there are a few a few people like you know joined with thousand dollar memberships, but not like, you know, a substantial thing. So now though, I just want to kind of back up and and look at the big picture, which is You have lots of evidence of kind of crooked financial practices, bookkeeping shadiness, the kinds of things that can cause a nonprofit a lot of trouble. You have the attorney general in the state of New York, which which is strangely enough where the where the NRA is legally based, even though even though its headquarters in Virginia. Is that just a Product of history, basically, that it's an old organization. Yeah, it's and old that's, school yeah. kind of, you know, the, yeah. the elite, you know, kind of riflemen sort of thing. Right. When that was when,
1: but it's like a yeah. it's, it's, it goes back to the Civil War. Is that there were Civil War veterans who saw that there was terrible marksmanship in the Union Army, um, and they decided to found an organization. They were you know Northerners, so they founded it in New York State mm-hmm. in, right. in 1871.
0: Speaking
2: yeah. of guns in New York City, isn't this a fun fact that? TPM is on the same block as like one of the only gun ranges in the city or something like that? I think like
0: one of two or something like (laughs) that. Yeah, it's crazy.
2: It's basically unmarked. Oh, really? For Utah, but not for New York. It's basically unmarked, right? You only really see it if you kind of pass by. It's
0: it's not just unmarked. Like we've been in this office for 10 years and I kind of knew it was there and... A couple of years ago, I figured like well, whatever, I'll go over and, and you know and 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 do some firing practice. <laughs> Blow <off> some steam. <laughs> and like I couldn't find it. Like <laughs> right. like like That's it's funny. literally it's not just like not. It's like, on the south side of the street. Right. It's on the south side of the street. It's basically right across from us. Right. You know, almost almost exactly. And again, it's not just that it's not prominently marked. It's really hard to even figure out what entrance is. I think right. it's like in the basement or something like right. that. Anyways, what, that what were sorry. you saying about Utah? And what was that? for whatever reason they issue
1: Utah concealed carry permits. You can undergo the course there. It Doesn't mean you can carry in New York, but if you want to get like a permit.
0: You oh can, right yeah. right right. Well that that's the thing. What I what I figured out, and I may have this a little off, but I figured I could go in there, you know, they'd basically give me a gun to use at right. at the at the, at, at the range. And whatever, and uh, you know, kind of uh, give it a try. And but in fact, that is not how it works. They cannot do that. At least in New York City, they can't do that. And you have to own your own gun. And there's, you know, New York City is very, very tight for gun ownership. Right, right. So basically, it's just like impossible. Anyway, we're I'm, so, I'm yeah, taking York, us
2: off the the New York Attorney
0: General. Right. The so New York Attorney General. Yeah has, you know, she ran on this platform of basically kind of going after the NRA and they have started airing their own dirty laundry. So suddenly you have this kind of perfect storm of of self-inflicted whatever that really. OK, so here here's the thing we've seen headlines about. The head of the NRA, Wayne LaPierre, has these insanely extravagant, like, you know, tailoring and fancy clothes and stuff like that. That's obviously good headlines. But what is, from what we have seen so far, what is these tell us about these specific financial transaction problems that could really get them in trouble, regardless of what the optics are about fancy clothes? Sure. So I would kind of divide this into two categories. There's there's an issue around their political
1: spending, and there's an issue around allegations of self dealing. Political spending issue comes from the fact that there's the NRA, which is a five hundred one c four nonprofit. So they, I mean, they're allowed to basically do political spending, but they also have something called the NRA Foundation, which is a charity. It's a five hundred one c three organization, and that group has given over a hundred million dollars to the NRA five hundred one c four over the past few years. Um, And so there's a question over whether or not basically that's just serving as kind of like a cutout conduit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So people, you know, can claim tax deductions on their donations, the 501 C3. But in fact,
0: it's political spending. It is. I would think that that would be an open and shut. I mean, that's such an obvious thing. You give it to the C3. The C3 gives it to the C4. Isn't that sort of just like not okay on its face or is a little more complicated than that?
1: Well, it's, I mean, it's subject to the investigation. Um, you know, I think one broad thing we see is just that this is just not a space that's the IRS is monitoring all that closely. Right. I mean, right, you, right. there's why, I mean, it just seems like there's just a lot of leeway from misconduct because it's just, the resources are just not
0: there. Right, right. And obviously yeah. it's also very politically touchy too. Right. You had that whole thing touchy. back in, God, when was that exactly? Uh, I think it was the second, you know, the whole IRS, you exactly, know, kind yeah. of beating up on that, uh, Supposedly beating up on on yeah tea party, on, groups, yeah, whatever, tea party yeah. groups. Okay, so so there's there's issues about uh, C3 C4s. And is the political spending being you know, kind right. of handled properly? Then there's the self-dealing front. So, so tell us about the self-dealing front. So the self-dealing, you know, it's almost hard to give you a specific example of certain transactions,
1: just because the allegations are so varied and broad. Um, but there's one that I wrote about this past week, which is that um, last Friday, somebody, nobody knows who, leaked a bunch of internal NRA documents online. Um, and what those documents show are after the NRA filed this lawsuit against its vendor, Ackerman, um, Ackerman then went back and sent these letters to the NRA, specifically to Wayne LaPierre, saying, hey, look, you need to give us some of these do- some documents so we can you know, really kind of respond to your request. That was the stated, that was the stated purpose of the letter. Um, what they're asking for in the letter, in one of the letters, is they say that, look, when we issued you an American Express card um, for you to use on certain foreign trips, um, you know he supposedly according to the documents they provided he charged like chauffeurs in Italy um, there was an intern's apartment that he paid for I'm not going to go further into that um, but yeah and the issue but was also there. a lot of like Clothes and right, just yeah. high living kind of stuff. Exactly, okay. yeah, and also like and just like a lot of travel as well. Right, um, so there's that, and that presents. So that's the first half of what they're alleging. I'm not going. I'll get into the second half later. Um, the issue there is that you, the nonprofits are not supposed to be run in the interests of their directors. They're supposed to be run in the interests of a cause, right? And New York state law is very strict on that front. So to a lot of people I spoke with, um, these are people who used to manage the New York State Attorney General's Department of the, the Charities Bureau. Mm-hmm. Uh, to them, I mean, this just struck them as an example of people you know, using a charity for their it's basically for their own personal benefit. Right. Um, and again, I mean, charitable funds, you, you, they, have, they have a fiduciary duty to the legal entity of the NRA to ensure that charitable funds are, you know, destined to further the purpose of the charity and not to further their own personal enrichment. Right. There's a second half to this, okay. which is that um, Ackerman in the same letter says that not only did we give you this credit card to spend all this stuff on, but we build these expenses back to the NRA itself. Right, right, right. So That's that, what I was
2: going to say. So, right. right. His rich yeah. guy stuff was being...
1: So, okay. So, so Paid for by the NRA ultimately, right? And that raises a whole host of other questions. So yeah. isn't,
0: okay. So so basically, it, just to kind of, for me to understand the sort of the 30,000 f- feet of this, right. that the NRA sues Ackerman. And again, for, for our listeners, this isn't like one of many vendors. It's like a huge part of their total budget. Do you know how right? long have they been... Uh, in like, business with Ackerman, do you know since, since the early eighties? Okay, think, yeah. So for for decades, it's, right. I mean, it's yeah. almost like when you look at the the amount of numbers, it's almost like is the is the NRA like a wrapper for this Ackerman thing? Right. So much of the spending, yeah. But okay, so the NRA sues Ackerman. Says you're not giving these documents makes this whole kind of you know very damning allegations, and if I'm understanding this, Ackerman writes back in this letter, which which mysteriously gets leaked you know to the to the press, like hey can you, you we would like it if you could share the documents <laughs> about the totally fraudulent practices we were engaged in together, right more or less, okay so, and it, so it seems like so I'm I'm Wayne Lapierre sort of you know living the sort of international high life our ad agency issues me a credit card so all of my personal spending is is kind of getting bookkeeped as 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 part of our advertising agency, budget right? yeah. and then and then they bill it back so this whole kind of it's very i mean it would iffy. be like if you instead head
1: of TPM you know I mean, I don't even know if if if, if one yeah. Don't our, say something I'm already doing. Okay. <laughs> right? Okay. If one of our vendors gave you a credit card and then you somehow funnel those expenses back to the company.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I mean that's you quickly get into right. unreported income as right. as as. So there's well, a because lot. Of the suits themselves we were talking about more than two hundred thousand yeah, dollars over the
1: course I,
2: of you know I, a fairly long period of time, but still it's it's I, well, big I'd, money
1: with the suits. I mean, it's an issue with luxury expenditures. This is it's not entirely clear if he was billing the suit costs back to the NRA, the travel costs were, were being see. billed, and so there's a separate issue here too, which is that with if you have a nonprofit, in New York State, and I think most of the country, the board has certain responsibilities, right? So the board is supposed to review insider transactions, and in this case, because uh, the NRA had this huge financial relationship with Ackerman, and because Wayne Lot La- Pierre had his own uh, separate financial relationship with Ackerman that we now know. And
0: didn't Oliver North also have his? He, who is the did. now deposed president of the NRA? Right. So he signed. So that's actually another thing that came out of the letters. <laughs> right. which we we haven't even had the time to get to yet.
1: Which is that um, Wayne. So part of the issue in that lawsuit that uh, the NRA filed against Ackerman was telling the story about Oliver North, right? Which is that well, he was president of the NRA. He had a separate contract with Ackerman uh, to develop this web series. But one of the some of the provisions of the contract allegedly were that basically all of the Costs for the production of this ad series uh, were being passed through
0: back to the NRA. Um, right now, so, yeah. So, so, uh, so, basically, you have the the executive director, who is Wayne LaPierre, right. who in practice kind of owns the NRA. He's the he's the real guy who's run it for decades. You have Ollie North, who was who's been president was president for what three or four years. You know, relatively. A couple, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they are the sort of the principal officers of this entity. And they both have, maybe not in a legal sense, but, you know, right, the, okay, the yeah. top people right, kind right. of. Um, and they both have separate personal financial... Arrangements with the big vendor of the—I mean, it's a mess.
1: Yeah, and so the board has an obligation, supposedly, to review insider transactions. Right. And there's been an interesting dynamic that's come out of the past few days, where the NRA has issued these, these statements saying, "Oh yeah, the board knew about all of this. Like they approved the, these expenditures because you know they understood that this was in the best interest right. of the organization." Right, right, right,
0: right, and then right. we've had at least one or two board members come out since then and say, "Wait a minute, I didn't know." And 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 these are not the. Uh, not that they exist, but the sort of the the, the handful of liberal board members right. it's like Alan West <laughs> exactly and like right. really kind right. of like out there people. Okay. So you've got all of this sort of at the most generous, extremely creative bookkeeping and kind of officers living high on the hog and a lot of self-dealing kind of stuff, the kind of things that can easily get a nonprofit into a lot of trouble. Um, possibly things that could amount to tax evasion or failure to report income. maybe that's a little that gets into the criminal realm. So the the New York State Attorney General um, who didn't come from you know didn't come to this just like, oh, just kind of checking out see how nonprofit governance is going. I mean she ran on the NRA basically. So one of the things that is possible here, and you and I were discussing this is, the ultimate possible penalty is the NRA's dissolved it right. is just it is uh just dissolved you know just and 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 this does not seem obviously this is like a lot of progressives and anti-gun people would be like oh NRA but this isn't like a fantasy this could really happen especially because these they're, they're in the civil war they're airing all their dirty laundry so obviously we can't know the future but walk us through From what the experts you've been talking to, how much is disillusion of of the NRA by New York State? How likely is that? So I'll tell you that the
1: more familiar the attorneys I talk to are with the details of the case, the more bullish they are. On dissolution order being entered uh, in New York State, right? Um, and so the Wall Street Journal, you know, reported that uh, the NRA's internal lawyers basically told the board, "You need to, ex- we need to anticipate this happening. we need to anticipate dis- the dissolution order." That being said, the standard is very high. Right. Um, they basically need to what the what. His James, the New York Attorney General, would need to prove is that the NRA. Is basically irredeemable as an organization to the extent that it doesn't serve a charitable pur- charitable purpose. It is just a vehicle for um, you know the benefit of insiders, right? Um, and that also maybe issue, and also maybe that the political spending aspect of it is also just so far out of whack um, that it's complete. You know uh, that also it, it can't be saved because that the thing is is that I think people need to understand is that the law is not. Sort of designed necessarily to kind of punish the NRA. What it's designed for is for the Attorney General to seek remedies that would improve the function of the organization in filling its. Supposedly charitable mission, right? Um, and so Tish James also has other remedies available. And to Tish her. James
0: is the Attorney General of New, of New York, State. right? Yeah, right. and so, so right. she's,
1: so she would have other remedies as well. And New York gives her way more powers than other states do. So she would have the power, for example, to remove select board members. She could remove Wayne LaPierre if she felt the need to. She could impose heavy sanctions. For example, if she found transactions that were, you know, in excess of like what they should have been, or if they went to insiders in New York, you can impose treble damages. So if she finds that you know some million dollar contract was uh, you know improperly awarded she can impose a 3 million dollar sanction on the NRA so okay. she has, so that's
0: all short of, short of dissolution she has a lot of remedies available so okay let me let, let's i just want to follow on the on the, the dissolution right. point first presumably if there's a dissolution order that doesn't mean they're kind of like all right we're done right. No, like no. then it's a lot that they, law, then it, then they right. would like it would, would it, it would be litigated yeah. okay yeah. so and 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 Again, that's sort of only a very high standard for that. But if it did happen, the other thing we were talking about is, it's not like Lane, uh, Wayne LaPierre could just go, "Okay, cool, we're dissolved. We're just setting up shop here in Utah or Virginia and whatever. We're just kind of you know, like if you take your bank account and move it to a different state, that it's not that that New York sort of owns the NRA as right. such, and kind of it's it's it, it would. Be hard, but even there, you made the point that the way the law works in in in, uh, in in New York State is it's not just Tish James gets to like just hand it out to the taxpayers of, of that she would have an obligation to say, okay, what is another entity that supports gun rights and kind of hand it over to them? So, okay, so let's but let's draw back because obviously if for the nra if she you know fires its executives let's talk about that because i get the i get the idea that that is something that is maybe a real likelihood right so walk us through that what are the standards what can she do How does it work um i mean the standards are lower
1: uh i, I think i mean they could they, they obviously have the right to appeal to contest in court but uh as attorney general you know her, her job is in part to oversee the charities, of New York State, so she has fairly broad powers to ensure that they're operating effectively. Right. Um, you know, one way of reading, I think, the, whole, the big conflict with Ackerman and all of this is an understanding on the part of the NRA leadership that this is a real possibility that they face a dissolution order or other remedies from from the New York State. Okay. Um, and that they need to do something to get their house in order before all this begins. Like,
0: so okay, so so that the progression of events here is they know New York State wants to do this or they know this is possible and this is their effort to sort of get a jump on it, maybe to say, hey, it's these Ackerman guys who are really the problem. So it's not that, it, it's it's not like a coincidence that these, that the investigation and these kind of uh, both sides in the NRA kind of, you know, crapping on each other. Not coincidence, these things happen at the same time. It's not, and I mean, even in this lawsuit they filed against
1: Ackerman, they say specifically, look, 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 you know, under New York state law, we have this, you know, obligation to supervise certain transactions, uh, so you need, you need to give us these documents so to they're make hint, sure that we're they're f- hinting at it, too. Exactly, yeah. So
2: they're, right. Yeah.
0: Okay. okay. And
1: LaPierre's
2: I mean, he enjoys a lot of support within the organization, right? Wasn't he just at the convention a
1: month ago, a few weeks ago? Didn't wasn't he sort of like he has a he has a really tight lock. Yeah, so he was unanimously reelected, right. but he has a really tight lock. I think on the kind of elite of the organization. I mean, he is the NRA. He's right. been executive vice president, which is effectively their leader since 1991. Um, from the rank and file, it's a lot harder to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people who uh, on some level are aware of these this kind of these allegations of misconduct, if not misconduct, they're aware that, you know, I think one year he got something like four million dollars in compensation from the NRA. and that's and, and that's not even
0: including the sort of the expense account, basically, right. right yeah. so I mean, they're aware that even like, I mean, just, and Not, for, and for very any, few non-profit directors. For any non <laughs> to right. like four or five million
2: dollars. Isn't that great? You get paid all this money and then you don't even have to spend your own money on all the other stuff. Yeah.
0: You, well, it's always that I remember there was, uh, it's probably almost 20 years ago now, there was a pretty big scandal because I think the March of Dimes, it came out that the president of the March of Dimes was making $500,000 um, a year. And obviously 20, 25 years ago, that was that was substantially more money. Um, but... It, you know, that's its own thing but obviously that's you know huge organization you you need someone who who has a lot of organization but I mean five million dollars <laughs> that's like you know kind of your your uh, you know your exit on yeah. your v- big VC move or right. whatever right so okay so now when when so you had this annual meeting, a couple of weeks ago, right. the upshot of that was basically LaPierre won. Uh, Oliver North is no longer president. He had to stand down. And we should just, sorry to
2: interrupt. We should mention Oliver North is still a, an executive at Ackerman or was.
1: No, he's, so, I mean, he's not anything anymore.
0: He's uh He had a contract with. Them. Right. Yeah. Had, yeah. So
1: and we should also note that, yeah, Ackerman produces on TV. Um, That's part of why they, at least in one year, made forty million off of the NRA, Um, and so Oliver North's role with Ackerman was as a host on of an NRA TV show. Sorry, I interrupted you, Josh.
0: No, okay, so. so uh, we, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, what were you doing? The, I annual, the annual
2: meeting. Right. Oliver
0: North was pushed out. Oh, right, right, okay. was yeah. So so career. so uh, Ali North lost. Wayne right. Lapierre won. Now, when we say he was unanimous, that's like the seventy-something member board of directors. Is that who so did that, or what's that? There's also an executive committee okay. within the board, okay. um, and there, I think they
1: they can vote on other on different things. I mean, it's it's a, so, it's, it's a separate corporate structure almost. Like, is that
0: unanimous? That that executive committee thing. It, I think I have to double check on this. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm
1: pretty sure it was within the executive committee.
0: Yeah. Got it. Okay. So, and then there, and so like Alan West is part of that larger, like, 70-something number of people who are the board of the NRA. Right. And I mean, one of the reasons why you have a board that big is to dilute the power of the, the
1: board members. Right, right, and, right. Well, it doesn't necessarily dilute his fiduciary duty to the organization, though. Right. Which explains why he has to go out and say, I didn't know this. Right, right, like, right. <laughs>
0: okay. So so I, I guess at a certain level, and now this is an interesting point, because, you know, obviously... Uh, most of the listeners of this of this podcast probably think the NRA is a very malign organization. Having said that, um, there are clearly a lot of Americans who believe in this organization. They they they're members they you know, whatever. Um, at, at some level, th- th- there must be some sense of like Wayne enough on the Italian suits, dude. <laughs> like, you're doing great on the gun front, but let's rein it in a little. It's right. hard to imagine he's going to...
1: This, this goes really deep into the history of the organization. I mean, I, f- I find this really fascinating. It's that in 1976, there was this like, the NRA was basically at a crossroads. It was going to either become just kind of a general sporting organization. This is the
0: Cincinnati Revolution the yeah. revolt or whatever so they le- call it. leadership yeah. at yeah. the
1: time was like, look, you know, we really shouldn't go into this kind of pushing gun rights to an extreme extent. We should become just like a marksmanship sort of right. sport, sporting organization. Right, right, right. And Instead, uh, people who call themselves, like I think they call themselves, like the Cincinnati Rebels, something, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: like this it's part, big part of my, the mythology of right. the modern NRA. So yeah. They had
1: this like all night convention, and they get elected to the board, and they start steering it in this direction. And the same year, I think it's nineteen seventy-seven, Wayne Lapierre first joins the organization, and since then there have been various kind of flare-ups where people have said to him. Uh, in, very, in either in public or in private you know look we need to like focus just on these issues or just focus on gun rights or focus on whatever and right.
0: you, you know you're kind of corrupting us right right yeah. so okay so we've gotten into the, the the you know some sense of the of the kind of shady bookkeeping practices um, the potential remedies that New York state has and and so it does seem like there's a real possibility maybe even a likelihood that she will intervene in some way and say you know these people have to leave or you know she, she that she may get involved in the NRA's governance at some level even if it doesn't go to dissolution now there's a few things that have come out that are not really new people knew about this but it's given a new look at these things there's this thing that has been called <laughs> murder insurance oh, yeah. that the NRA got involved in now to explain to us what that what that was
1: so that was So it was two things. It was one of it was both liability insurance and also a training kind of program. So the liability insurance was supposedly you know if you maim or kill someone in self defense, then they'll insure your costs, your civil defense costs, and also your criminal costs after acquittal. Um, which is a point. Of- which is a
0: pretty big caveat to your <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh- criminal defense costs. <laughs> um,
1: and then uh, the other half of it is the training. So they got these like former Navy SEALs, former Army Rangers, to run training courses around the country, and that also raised controversy because. You know, we've seen in the gun rights movement this switch from ta- um, from hunting training to tactical. Or right? even and defense, right? To more- to, This was from defense to some to argued more... combat. Yeah. Uh, or like o- offensive, yeah. Right. Uh, and so, but the program itself has an interesting background. Um, it really started in 2016. They brought on this executive, Josh Powell. Um, to kind of run the NRA, and this was his brainchild. And it was seen as like, look, you know, Trump now, won. Run yeah. the NRA in the sense of kind of operational day-to-day. Right, that's what and I mean. Okay. Yeah. like COO so, yeah. sort of exactly. thing. Right, so right, I, think, right. I think his official job was like Wayne LaPierre's chief of staff. Right, right, right. Um, right, right. But he, yeah, he was kind of operationally like running the NRA. And so late 2016, um, you know, Trump wins and the NRA ha- has been there before. They understand that this is going to be bad for the organization and Guard was something that was going to financially really kind of get them through through this. Right. Um, they rush... You know, the, the, all the all the accounts suggest they kind of rush the rollout. They don't, you know, check necessarily the applicable state laws on insurance regulations, and also
0: the training is, you know, they kind of flub that in different ways. And and just so for the context here, right? The NRA historically, and it's sort of the you know the one thing that even I think its direst critics agree, is they do a lot of just real gun safety training. Yeah, you know, kind of. Uh, teaching kids how to, you know, just the basic nuts, I mean, most literally nuts and bolts of, of how to use a gun safely, how to blah, 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 they do that. But they brought in this other group, and, and there's, I, I guess there's, I don't know how many, thousands across the country of sort of accredited NRA uh, gun instructors, and they make some, you know, make some money on the side and whatever, but right. they bring yeah. in these other guys. So that was part of, so tell us about that. Um, yeah, that's part of it, and I mean this program. What it basically did was get
1: pissed off a huge amount of these gun instructors, um, and that's partly because uh, I mean it's for a lot of different reasons. One of the reasons, though, is that the kind of basic NRA gun course is just called basic pistol. And so it's just like a basic, you know, how to use a pistol course. And what this did was it just introduced all these other things that are just beyond what that is. And they have a these gun instructors have a selfish interest in that um, for them it's lost revenue. Right. And people are just less interested in taking a basic pistol. Right, right, um, right. but it's also, you know, on a kind of more principled level, they were like, look, you know, we're teaching people how to defend themselves, how to properly handle you know, kind of like a basic firearm, and all of a sudden these Navy SEALs, that's just completely different. One, one person told me, you know, these are the, the rules of engagement in a military, in like a war zone,
0: are different from those on an American street. Right. right. And and were they because I remember someone sort of made a point to me, like, okay, just because they're Navy SEALs doesn't mean right. they're training these people in like sort of like, you know, How urban combat. Kind of yeah, <laughs> urban combat. But it sounds like. They were kind of doing that a little, at least, or at yeah. least a more offensively focused th- training,
1: yeah. right? And here's here's the thing. So when it comes to self defense, you know, if you defend, if if you're, if somebody's attacking you at your home and you defend yourself, the law is fairly black and white on that. I mean, you do have the right to defend yourself, right? But if you're going out into a city and you're trying to defend yourself. Or
0: looking for people to defend right. yourself against. <laughs> right.
1: All of a sudden, that's a much. I'll just say. I mean, it's, it's a much grayer area. Well, and no, I would the, hope so. Right, yeah. <laughs>
0: and that's what the training I think was sort of seen as. Well, yeah. and, and and this is also in the context of the growth of concealed carry, open carry, um, these stand your ground laws, right. where it's sort of like you know, I, I getting a fight over a parking space, and suddenly like. I feel threatened and I blow your head off. And you know we had in the article we had screenshots from the website but one of them is literally people fighting outside a car in a parking right. lot. Yeah. I mean it's like <laughs> And 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 so it so not only was sort of the inherent sketchiness of it but even in the sort of the nuts and bolts state insurance regulation they rushed it they weren't like it wasn't really legal to do this in the most just in the most basic regulatory sense in right. some states.
1: And part of it is that, yeah, in a lot of states, I mean, you can only market insurance if you are either like the underwriter or the insurer. And the NRA was marketing it even though, like, I mean, they're not the ones who are actually selling the insurance, right? Right. So it's yeah. pretty
0: basic stuff they were kind of not following the law on. So the point of the, in, in one of the pieces you wrote, they also lost money. Like it didn't, even on their own terms, it, it was kind of a debacle, Yeah, and so and what ended up happening was that it also
1: just again it provoked New York State in a really big way because what happened was is New York State issued guidance saying uh, this is illegal, you know the carry guard is and so but at the same time they also started pressuring they also started saying like. To companies that were doing business with the NRA or doing business with the NRA with respect to Carry Guard, um, you could face legal liability for this. uh, Interesting. And they actually find a bunch of the underwriters and the companies that were working with the NRA on this. So, there. This ended up, you know, one of the NRA's longtime insurers, this company Lockton, uh, started withdrawing from business with the NRA, and they filed a lawsuit against Lockton. And in this lawsuit, they say, like, you know we're having a lot of trouble kind of like paying our bills and like holding on to our premises because nobody will will insure us. Or like, for example, with our media publications, nobody's going to give us liability insurance for like, or like liable insurance, I guess. Right, right. Yeah.
0: So, so so basically kind of you have this broad arc where Trump comes in, they're under financial pressure, they sort of rush some new revenue streams online. Yeah. It's rushed, it causes more problems. So So you kind of see all these things blending together and that d- doesn't even get into... You right. know, if you're if you're if you're underwriting, sort of like would be vigilantes to go out
1: and, and like the,
0: the, and, and, the timeline matches yeah. up really well
1: because they made these filings saying like, look, we're having all this trouble in summer two thousand eighteen, and if you look at the lawsuit against Ackerman, that's when they said, look, they started like verifying all of their relationships um, with all their different vendors, and that's when Ackerman started refusing. So, I mean, the, the timeline does line up. In Interesting. That, in so that, all in
0: sense, yeah. all sort of that fallout over time. So what is. Uh, just to finish up here. What is you're 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 continuing on this story, Josh? What is the sort of the what is the next thing? Is there an event that happens? A hearing? Is what's what's next?
1: Well, I mean, th- this isn't one concrete event. There's uh, Tish James's investigation is the big thing. That's what everybody's watching. Um, and I mean, you know, Wayne Lapierre just by the bylaws of the organization, he's safe until next year, and that's until the next convention. So he's mm-hmm. he's he's probably going to remain in place at least until then. And also he just has such a lock on like the leadership that I think it's going, he's probably okay, or at least he's going to go down with the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the
0: big question is where Tish James' investigation leads her. Now, and is that yeah. is that investigation a thing that has a a public profile that we can know in some sense what's happening or just one day they they announce it and then everything all hell breaks loose? It's going to be more like that. I think okay. one thing people can look to is the uh, Trump Foundation
1: um, remember, that was dissolved yep. in New York State. Yep. I mean, yep. it's going to be like that. One day we wake up and there's a court order. Yeah. Um, in terms of my own reporting, there's one thing I'm looking at is that, you know, the NRA's membership is very old. And there was a, huh. they had an attempt to kind of bring in millennials, which went awry.
0: Cool. Um, <laughs> Even like the NRA TV feels like a play for that too, right? I right. right. yeah. Well, they had a couple like, besides uh, Dana Loesch, who I think is probably, I don't know, late 30s, 40s. They had mm-hmm. a couple like, you know, sort of like, Millenn- you know, kind of official NRA millennials. Yeah. <laughs> they had uh, it, that I re- the, so that was clearly kind of a, a play for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to one like former Ackerman employee who was telling me how like they were really focusing on building websites for guns that were all like targeted at millennials. No pun intended, but it, it does sound sort of funny. But and, well, was was the, um... and what
0: constituted target like like I think cool you know, colors
1: or. <laughs> but it was actually it was what he was saying is it wasn't just millennials. It was like teens. So it was like games and stuff. I mean, it was like early teens, that like, kind of get them hooked. But um, there's, uh, I mean, this goes back to the Harry Guard issue, but there was a program they had called Blended Learning, where basically you have two components in gun certification. You have tests um, that don't involve shooting. It's just learning, you know, basically Mm -hmm. how to handle a gun in a classroom setting. And then you go and shoot on on, on a range. And so the classroom setting bit, they took that online, um, and you could just kind of click through. And (laughs) then you would go to a range, and you would shoot once or twice, and that would be it. Um, And that raised a lot of questions. Just at the level of like, are these people really trained or like, what do you like? Yeah. Well, so if you're an instructor, um, what a lot of the instructors told me was that one thing is that you want to see how people are in a classroom. So you can see if you like if they're right in the head, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You want to see if, if they're okay handling a gun just based off how they interact with others. So if you have this and somebody just comes in, you know, you've never met them before. And you expect to give them a pistol, even for people who are really committed to the you know, Second Amendment and all that. Right, 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 right. You know that's a problem.
0: Yeah. And, and and just to be clear here, when we're talking about handling a gun, we're not we're not talking about like like technically can you fire accurately. We mean like is this person like mentally stable? That was specifically are they, yeah. the concern they raised. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So so. Um, it, it sounds like kind of like a, a wait and see with with the with the attorney general's investigation. Yeah. Do we have a sense of a timeline? Is this is this like we expect something to happen in two months, or is this like you know a year from now, or we just have no idea? We just don't really have an idea. I mean, I think with the Trump Foundation, they started investigating it in October
1: 2016, and it was two years until it was two years from there until when they uh, dissolved. They moved to dissolve the organization. The Trump Foundation, not the Trump and, Organization, and, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. and presumably this
0: would be a much more complex yeah, investigation. Yeah, I mean,
1: Burrus, you know, the NRA has something like three hundred fifty
0: million dollars in like turnover or more. Yeah, right. So, uh, so a big thing. But I guess even in the short term, though, th- this must be an immensely dislocating process for the NRA, just kind of going through this thing, and and it goes back to why you have all these ledgers everywhere asking everybody for documents.
1: And it suggests that, I mean, there were just the record keeping might not have been there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right.
0: All right. All right. Well, listen, uh, you, you, people can uh, go to TPM and see Josh's ongoing reporting on this. It's really, I, it, 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 I, I'm i kind of, it's sort of surprised, like why if you're, if you're the NRA if and you're into gun rights, you got a great thing going you got hundreds of millions of dollars going through it. You know, maybe you can't spend like a hundred thousand dollars on Italian suits, but everybody's making a good living. Why not just do your bookkeeping? Like, can it be that hard? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's not like, it's not like y- you, you, you couldn't do all the kind of malign things. The NRA does in terms of uh sort of extremist gun advocacy and still just do like legitimate bookkeeping. Like, you know, it's not like those things uh, uh, inherently are intention. Although I think that this one of the things we see here is that this is sort of endemic in the in the right wing foundation, nonprofit, political arm kind of world. Well, you know that Wayne Lapierre, you turned down
1: a job to be uh, Tip O'Neill's chief of staff and said became a lobbyist for the NRA. I did
0: not know that. That's a big question. I mean, yeah. Well, <laughs> w- when he was, I mean, obviously the 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 Things were very different in in the in I don't know when this was, but I guess it would have been the 70s or 80s. Yeah, okay. Um, well, well, I, I mean, mean, for example, uh, John Dingell. I mean, he was the founder of like
1: the Institute for Legislative Advocacy. right. No, is, I yeah. was
0: I was I was just going to yeah. reference him. Every, I mean, obviously, John Dingell passed away a month or two ago. Um, you know, very beloved by Democrats. Had this, you know, kind of after post retirement, he was, you know, had this very popular Twitter feed, and he was like a stalwart of the NRA. You know, different era. When, different, when, different era, yeah. When when it was uh, uh, lots, there were lots of, you know, pro-NRA Democrats and blah, 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 blah. Was, was he like different politically or is that just some like bizarre little footnote or who
1: knows? There's a, yeah, who knows? There's a big question. I mean, you know, this is for people who are already critical of him for different reasons. And I think in the gun rights movement, there's a kind of probably, there's a temptation to sort of be like, well, he doesn't even
0: know how to shoot a gun. So, so that he's kind it, of like a fraud, that he's, he was yeah, always in, he's this in this for the money right. and, and whatever. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, well, look, uh, you know, uh, enough of that stuff. Let's let's talk. <laughs> let's talk uh, something that's really important. You need to subscribe to TPM. The way we pay for everything TPM does is through memberships. Becoming a member means you get extra stories that we write, you get fewer ads on the site, you get to post on our special members' forum, the Hive, and you get a bunch of other good stuff. But it also means you support our journalism and you support this podcast. We have a special offer for podcast listeners: twenty percent off a TPM Prime membership get that offer, go to talkingpointsmemo.com slash deal. That's memo slash, uh, dot com slash deal and get your 20% off. Josh, thanks so much. Uh, thanks. Awesome reporting. Absolutely. And uh, David, catch you next week. See you the next Later. time. Later. Bye.